providing just a secure place to allow them to share and to be a be curious as a parent. Right. I think oftentimes we don't, we feel like let's read all the parenting books, let's have all the plans in place, let's make some goals for our kids. And ultimately that all those like goals and chapters of the books that we read could be ripped out and tossed because our kid doesn't fit that, yeah. <laughs> doesn't fit that structure, doesn't fit that norm. And then we are in crisis because our expectations were not met. And I feel like that's so much pressure to put on an individual. Hey friends, this is the Single Mom Cast, and I'm Mel Hyatt. I have with me, kind of in the studio over Zoom, my friend Bree Johns. Bree, welcome. Hi, good I, to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I have just been waiting for an excuse to have you in here uh, because you have so much wisdom, and I can't wait for our moms to hear from you. Single moms, today we are going to be discussing what I think is a really hot topic, and that is teenagers. What do we do with them, or what do we not do with them, Bree? I, you're going to tell us all the things, right? You've got it figured out. You've cracked the yeah, code. <laughs> totally an expert at this. <laughs> hey, Bri- I feel like I know some, some stuff about teenagers because I was a youth pastor for a long time. Yeah. But have I raised... Have I raised them? No. Do I have insights about them? Hopefully they'll help today. Yeah, well, I was hoping that our perspectives mashed together would be some really great tools for these moms. Um, You spent 15 years in student ministry. Um, I spent a lot of years. I have some teenagers that currently live in my house for free. Ugh annoying, uh, but um, it's not annoying. I love it, but it would be great if they paid some rent because mm-hmm. they live in the whole house, if you know what I mean, like the <laughs> stuff's in the dining room and in the kitchen. But what I'm thinking is your your experience with them, I think, is even more powerful than you being a mom of a teenager because when teenagers are away from their parents, they show a true self. And you've navigated that. So I'm really excited to hear from you today. We're going to talk about what we've learned from teenagers, um, and hopefully you learn something something from that. So, Bree, before we get to talking about these, these um, hoodlums, what would you like our listeners to know about you today? <laughs> um, okay, well, I, I am a mom. I have two little boys, uh, Brody and Deacon. They're 10 and 8 years old. I've been... Um, a youth pastor for 15 years, like you said. Before that, I worked for Radio Disney. So okay. So I was a producer for a show with ABC, and I thought that that would be my path, that I would do broadcasting. And kind of interesting, through that whole kind of finding out who I was in this world, I became a youth pastor. And like the story on that's really funny. Like I was working in radio. I was actually preparing to marry a guy that ended up, didn't work out. So, but I was volunteering in a high school group at a church. And it was because I had come to know Jesus as a teenager and I had met that, you know, community there and I never wanted to leave. So I stayed on as a volunteer and there was a small group of girls that I was assigned to like mentor, which I was not prepared. I was like 19 and then these girls were like 14. And 
I just thought they were so interesting because they would show up and they were kind of rascally freshmen that came in and all their heads were buzzed and they liked to decorate their heads with like stickers and <laughs> okay. you know all kinds of bandanas and they were really punk rock and I was like I like you guys and but they were kind of moody and they're I don't know how they got to youth group but they needed a ride home every night so this group of girls I wanted to get to know them I would take them home every Sunday night after youth group and lo and behold find out that one of the girls has a secret and the secret is that she has cancer. Mm -hmm. And so this whole buzzing their head rebellion was around this common care of this girl that they did not want to expose or she wanted to just fit in. And from then on, I was like, this is, this is the type of work I wanna do. I want to be in teenagers' lives because I really believe that like, they care so deeply about each other, about, you know, about injustice, about all the things. They almost even live in like a lifetime movie of like, I care, I care yeah. about so many things. And I think um, that is just so inspiring as an adult that, um, so I ended up mentoring, found out this girl had cancer. We ended up going to hospital visits with her. It was kind of amazing. And I got to just be more and more into teenager world. And it was, I don't know, it was a game changer. Left Radio Disney and <laughs> yeah, that was my life. So that's how that all started. So that's kind of a little interesting thing about me, how I got brought in is with these girls, Liz, Tyler, and Amy. And they were just champions of each other. Super, super cool. I love that you said that you were not prepared. And I just think that is God's MO. Who out there is not ready for this or prepared? And I'm going to pick them for it. And I wanted to point that out because I know we have single moms that are listening that are thinking... I mean, even if you have all the books and you took a class, you are not prepared to raise this teenager. And, and God's going to use that because then we cling to him or we just use our instincts and we don't overthink it. And so I love, I love that. And I love that you talked about how in tune they are to all of their feelings. I would always tell parents, um, especially with girls, you know, your daughter is the center of her universe. And they'd be like, oh, my gosh, I know. And I would say... Can you imagine how heavy that is to carry that whole universe? Almost as empathetic because they are, right? They're, they're so in tune to everything because they're not trying to file their taxes on time and <laughs> wondering right. if they paid the electric bill. But I think there's this heavy weight that we have to have empathy towards of saying, yeah, it must be really difficult to be the center of your universe, to be so in tune with all of your feelings and your hormones and all of this stuff. I just told my 13-year-old yesterday, hey, I've never raised a 13-year-old like you, and you've never been 13 before. Like, we're, <laughs> we're figuring this out. And he was like, yeah, I have never been 13 before. You know, it's kind of this funny because he, we were frustrated with each other, and he was like, I don't know why I'm acting this way. And I'm like, I do. Like you're mm -hmm. tired and puberty is kicking down our door, Brie. It's yes. kicking it down. Then, <laughs> I think the intensity of their feelings about things is because the world that they live in, every feeling is attached to their identity. Yeah. So, and I think that that's the, 
the rub and the tense point with parents and even with youth pastors and teenagers is that we may say, we want you to care about this. We want you to see this in your life. And it's like, but I care about this deeply. And um, I don't know. I think that we, there's just like, there can always be um, conflict in trying to understand that like my identity and my community is wrapped up in who I am and how I feel at all times. And, or I don't know. I, I grew up with all brothers. I watched them go through all the teen years. I have sons and I really resonate with boys who are teenagers and just the, I've seen the opposite end of, like you were saying, uh, maybe a teen girl is just caring about all the things and very emotional. And I've seen the opposite with some of our boys where they don't care about anything. You know, that like, the, the failure complex, right? Uh, I'm not gonna care about anything. I'm not gonna be motivated to do anything because if I care too much, you know, then then there's pressure to achieve something. I'm. What if I fail? Like, I don't want to fail at that. So I'm just not gonna care at all about anything. And we look at our teen boys and go, man, they're just a bunch of bums. Not all of them, but like, okay they are so fearful of possibly failing that they just don't even try. Yeah. What would you say or what did you say to a parent who, you know, you have this this teenager that is caring about something that you just cannot connect with, that, you know, their identity is tied to something that you don't understand? And, and what would you say to that parent? Mm-hmm. I didn't prepare well, I know, you for like, this question. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's well, I feel like what teenagers really need, and I think this is hard for parents to to surrender or to like loosen a grasp on, is that teens really want us to show them trust and show them love and value and support. And so it's moments where we're not asking antagonizing questions, but we're sitting and just getting to know them as a person, as not a person that I shaped and molded. You know, this is a child that I raised, but he also or she also has their own personality, their own hopes and dreams, their own expectations for themselves. And so I would say providing just a secure place to allow them to share and to be a be curious as a parent. Right. I think oftentimes we don't we feel like let's read all the parenting books, let's have all the plans in place, let's make some goals for our kids. And ultimately that all those like goals and chapters of the books that we read could be ripped out and tossed because our kid doesn't fit that, yeah. <laughs> doesn't fit that structure, doesn't fit that norm. And then we are in crisis because our expectations were not met. And I feel like that's so much pressure to put on an individual. Like when we think about our relationship with our parents and we didn't want to be told who to be, we wanted guidance. But by the time we become teenagers. We really just need somebody who can support us and bring security and love and value and trust and give us opportunities to make some mistakes or to actually be expert on something 
And I think that that shows so much care and value when we do that to, for our teenagers. It was really profound when you said, I think parents need to be curious. And, and that shows, I found when I approach a situation that way, um, maybe it, it shows some vulnerability and, and that can take you a lot of places as a parent. Something that I learned with my students and that I have to do all the time with my boys is say this one statement, I should just put it on my forehead, but I will say, can you help me understand? You know, if, if, you know, they're overthinking something or they're really passionate about something or we disagree with something, can you help me understand why that's important to you? Or um, my son had a huge meltdown about he has a, a ceremony that he's supposed to go to actually tonight at six o'clock. And it's an award ceremony, and I was so proud of him, but he has a baseball game at 5.30. And what he learned this week is that you cannot be in two places at once, which is what he always expects of me, Bree. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he does. Um, and he was having that's this— that's the unfair part of teenagers is yeah. that expectations are so high for their parents. I know. We cannot live up to that, can we? Right. They just release that. And so he, he was having this meltdown about not being able to go to this award ceremony that he had been telling me was just— is dumb. Oh, it's just dumb anyways. And so this morning I literally had to say, can you help me understand why you're upset about missing this? You know, and we ended up having this great conversation where um, he didn't want this teacher that he really respects to think that he didn't care because she had nominated him for this. And I said, oh man, that's easy. I'm going to send her an email today. And the tears dried up quick, you know, instead of me just going, well, you know, baseball, you know, this whole big thing. So that is my saving grace of, can you help me understand? And oftentimes they, they say what they say and I still don't understand, you know? But you backed him, you supported him in that moment. There was nothing like tragic about him having this dilemma in his life. You didn't need to shame him yeah. or teach him a life lesson on it. You just backed him in that moment. And I think sometimes our teenagers need to feel like they can, you know, fall um, under our protection or under our guidance or care when they don't have things figured out, even though they act like they do have everything yeah. figured out. They know everything. Yeah. And and you, you can still be stressed and cry. Like the situation is not changing. We're just going to figure it out. So... You've, right. you've already said, I mean, we're just, we're just 13 minutes in and you've already said so much. I'm like taking notes here, but I'm thinking, Bree, that there are thousands of books out there about how to parent, how to handle teenagers. And you've probably read a few of them. Um, you probably have some highlights and some things you've memorized, but what is something that you learned working with teenagers as long as, you, I mean, that's almost two decades, working with them for that long. What is something that you learned about teenagers that you would like to share with our single moms? Mm. Well, like the first thing that came to my mind, again, I think this is just being a boy mom and kind of working, you know, having brothers and, and being in the boy world. I, I remember, so my husband is, um, he works in mental health and we talk a lot about like raising boys and something he had said when I was trying to, um, mentor some of the boys in our youth group was, you know, they're so simple. 
You know, it's a not as complex as you're thinking. You're projecting a lot of your insecurities or your expectations on them. And their, their reactions to things are really a lot more basic than you actually are thinking. You're thinking a lot deeper than what is there. Um, first off, because teenage brains are not, you're not fully developed here until you're 25, right? So you're still a teenager, even up to 25. So if your kid still lives at home and he's 25, he's still a kid, he's still an adolescent. But he had said, when you're, when you're watching a boy react to something, there's only one of three emotions that's happening. And so you just got to kind of figure out which one it is. And you can ask them plainly, are you happy? Are you sad? Or are you angry? Hmm. And that has always been so helpful because sometimes their meh attitude, you ask them and they, you say, are you happy, sad, or angry? And they're like, I'm happy. I'm like, okay, I, I don't read that on you right now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't come back with that. I don't know like, well, you yeah. don't seem happy. Yeah. I don't bring that to them. But if they boys are very honest and upfront and simple of like, well, I'm happy. And if they're sad, I mean, that's your invitation to ask more questions. That's your invitation to say, what do you need right now? Um, Or if they're angry, I think our first reaction as parents is to take it personally. Well, well, you made me angry or, Mm -hmm. well, what did I do? Or you start thinking about, I failed him or what can I, you know, there's just so many questions and the anger sometimes is just stemmed from, I mean, anger is just a a symptom to a deeper issue. And a lot of times it's surrounded by our insecurities because our kid has fear and it comes out as anger. They can't control their life right now, or they have, uh, you know, entitlement. They feel like they deserve something that they didn't get and they're angry and they watched another kid get it. And so when you just think a little bit deeper with those three simple emotions, I think that works for girls as well. But I think I, as, a, as a boy mom and just being around a lot of boys, I have three brothers that that's just always been something that I have observed and it's always rang true. What do you think about that? Does that make sense? Like yeah. you have a teenage boy. I right? think teenage that teenage is boy. gold. Um, maybe I just need to put that on the wall and they just like do a check mark, you know, for the day. So I know before I even like enter their room, like, okay, we're angry today. Uh, that is, that is so good. And I think I want to speak to our single moms for a moment and, and we'll come around to the girl moms, but there is this lie in this narrative that boys being raised by single moms are already at a detriment that they are uh, missing something. And that may be true, but I want to speak to those moms for a moment and say that um, Bree and I were talking earlier that um, even Jesus came into the world with just a mom at first, you know, and right. that everybody needs a mom, but we want a dad. And I want to remind you of that because um, here I have a 19 year old and a 13 year old and I have not done everything perfect at all. They would tell you that. That's why I don't have them in here. But you are enough for them. And if there's not a dad in their life that's filling that void, you can find somebody that can. And if you don't currently have somebody, whether it's a friend or your friend's husband or a pastor or a counselor, you can be enough for them, even by asking them those questions. And I would tell my boys all the time, hey, I've never been a boy but, (laughs) and so now I'm going to start saying, but I imagine you have three emotions that you use, you know? (laughs) Um, And I love that. And so I I think that that is so good. And to remember that it's simple and 
and to maybe take their answer for enough. Now, to our girl moms, uh, we're just going to be praying for you, <laughs> right, Bree? No. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Here's well, what I'm I you've you and I both have spoken at girl conferences right and mm-hmm. we've been a part of girl ministries and a lot of the themes that we get asked to speak on is their worth and their yeah. value yeah. and so you're watching our teen girls grow up and um, in this day and age there's Instagram and there's you know Snapchat and all these ways to lose sight of your worth and value because you're watching other people constantly and you're hearing people's opinions constantly and personalizing that. And I think that that is a lot. I mean, I'm a, I'm a woman. Like I, I have struggles with my worth and my value, just what is being tossed at me in this world. I can't imagine as I'm still as, as a teenager, still forming my identity, how stressful that would be with the pressures of what this world says a female should look like, yeah. act like, sound like, yeah. um, aspire to be. It's very, that's stressful. No wonder our girls are so angsty and stressed out and emotional. And I think our boys are probably, if they're happy, sad, or angry, it probably has to do with somebody else. But our girls, oftentimes, it's their own self, right? Like, I'm happy, sad, or angry because of of me. And, and, and something that I did, I have a, I have a stepdaughter and I, we, we worked with girls for a long time. You and I, Brie, I just asked even more questions. So I love those three questions. So ask your girls that, are you happy, sad, or angry? And then whatever their answer is, well, what made you feel that way? Well, what are we going to do to change that? Or, or how can you keep being happy? You know, I think it's just you being a treasure hunter as a mom and continuing to just dig a little. And that I think is a lot easier with girls. And sometimes and we think, strike gold and sometimes not. <laughs> I think I want to also just encourage your moms who are listening that whatever the response you get, you don't have to change yeah. or fix that. Like, oh, you're sad. How can we get you to happy? It's like, I'm yeah. so sorry you're sad. You know, can we just respond and let them hold, let us hold space for that emotion that they're having and not try to um, get them to turn that frown upside down, but to yeah. just accept that, like, I'm so sorry you're, you're sad. Is there, is there anything that I can do? Or like you said, getting to the layers of that or not prying at all and just letting our kids mm-hmm. have some other emotions beside, besides being happy all the time. Like yeah. they're not robots. Yeah, I remember, and it seemed to be more important to girls. I would ask permission um, if there was something like that. Do I do I have permission to keep asking you questions? You know, and That's girls, good. I feel like are more likely to no or yes. You know, um, no, yes, no, and I'm you fine. Just drop some yeah. Oreos and like a Sonic milkshake off at their door, and you give them a note that says "I love you, love mom," and yeah. they'll come out when they're ready. Yeah, and then you get to be that safe place over and over. D- whether they're a boy or a girl. Yeah. I've always been told too with teenagers that like you sit on a couch with them and ask them questions, they're going to be annoyed. Mm-hmm. But if you're up the, the late night hours that they're up and you're just standing in the kitchen and they can approach you, let them come to you yeah. with their feelings and with their random thoughts of the day. 
Hey, that's a really good segue because I wanted to, um, and this is not like a weird shameless plug, but you and I talked about this podcast because I wrote a blog series called uh, The Three Things I Learned from Teenagers. And I wanted to discuss that a little bit with you. And one of those, um, those are on our website, by the way, theriseSinglemoms.com. Um, if you're a reader, that'll be great for you. If not, um, Bri and I will talk a little bit about it. But one of them, I told a story. I was in the kitchen. And my son, Jax, who's 13, he walked in and I was cooking and he just leaned up against the counter, Brie, and he kind of crossed his hands and he let out a big sigh and he didn't say anything. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is coming? (laughs) You know, what are we going to... And I just kind of looked at him and he said, I have a question for you. And he asked me a really grown up question about a topic uh, that I really didn't want to talk about on a Tuesday at dinner. Um, it was a, it's a really divisive topic right now, and I'm not even going to go into it because it'll distract mm-hmm. us. And he knew, my, he knew where I stood, and I knew this because we had talked about it a couple of months before um, in a different setting. And so he asked me, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And I just began asking him questions back oh, why is that on your mind? Or what do you think about that? And why would you want to know my opinion? And we ended up having a really long conversation that day. Um, And at the end, and he doesn't do this all the time now because he's really cool and he's 13. He gave me a kiss on the cheek, Brie. I was like, I, that was my like Disney world. Like I, I did win. I don't need anything else. I, I did not react when he was in the room, but he left and I like had a little tear. Oh my gosh. But this whole blog that I wrote was about the fact that your kids can get answers from anywhere. You can say, Hey, Alexa. Uh, you know, what's this? What's that? But if they're asking you a question, they don't actually want your answer. They want your attention and your time um, and they want your respect. And yeah. I just I, that is something that teenagers taught me because mm. when they would come ask me a question and I would just answer, I totally missed the mark. And after a few years, I realized that what they were it's like they were holding up a sign saying, I really want you. I want your time. I want your attention. So anytime your kids ask you a question, moms, perk up and don't mm-hmm. just answer it, you know, just. Well, and don't feel like you have to answer it with some type of encyclopedia answer. Yeah. Because they see through phony so easily. Yeah. That is so, I mean, they they read your script, don't they? So we learned, because this, this, this podcast isn't just about you know, what we learned about teenagers, but we're giving them some credit here, what we learned from them. Um, and that was the, that was the first one. The second one, and I think that you're, you're probably going to have some good stuff to say on this one, no pressure, but one of the, the, one of them that I wrote about, um, was that over and over again, I watched teenagers struggle with their faith, not because they doubted God, but because they doubted themselves. Mm -hmm. And, And that wasn't something that I could talk them out of or give them a verse about or, uh, you know, I remember telling a parent that and she goes, well, I don't know what the problem is. I raised him in church. And I just thought, mom, (laughs) mom, like, come on a moment, you know. And um, so what do you think about how do we approach this generation um, that isn't saying, I wonder if there's a God. They're saying, I wonder if there's a God that would love me. Mm-hmm. How do we approach them? 
I think what we so often miss in just faith settings in general is that our faith is so directly tied to where we feel we belong. Hmm. And so that is that tension between law and grace. Hmm. And I think as parents, we uphold the law. Like this is right, yeah. this is wrong. And um, and the grace sometimes feels really, um, I don't know, it's risky, right? There's, yeah. it's, it's not concrete and we get really uncomfortable with what could they do with this type of grace. So I hurt for our teenagers that don't feel like they belong. Yeah, They can't have faith. And I see that they are looking for love and God's love in how they are being shown love in faith organizations, from parents, from grandparents, aunts and uncles who are believers, in the ways that they respond to all things in society, politics, you know, rules, and um, everybody's opinions on everything. And if they don't line up, then they don't know if they fit. And it breaks my heart because I feel like Jesus never came and had a conversation with someone other than the, the, you know, the, the Pharisees and people who were really legalistic, like he wanted to rock their world and expand their minds, knowing that his love just covered all and that his acceptance was for all. And he saw and valued people as they were, um, and wasn't requiring anything of them. And I don't know why, but our kids sometimes don't see that or aren't seeing that in us. And I'm not quite sure what the remedy is for that, though. Yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if it's a, I mean, Jesus is, is, is the remedy, but I guess maybe the answer I would say is that if they don't believe he's in the room, we have to keep showing them that he is, you know, right. I, I, if Jesus is the remedy. Do they see him? Right. And, do and they hear him, do they experience him? Give them a front row seat to him, you know, and I don't mean at the church. <laughs> I mean, in your home and the way that you treat your neighbors or your enemies or the way you treat them or the way you treat yourself, Bob, you know, or the way you respond to them when they make a mistake Yeah. or when, you're having a bad day and you're not your best self. Yeah. Are you are you showing yourself grace? Are you apologizing to your teen when you say the wrong thing? Are you showing kind of more of a holistic, like yeah. I want to be more like Jesus and I'm still becoming mm-hmm. like him. And it's, it's a part of humility, I think, for us to just take a step back and go, I'm going to try my best at this. And when I mess up, I'm going to show Jesus, I'm going to respond or I'm going to remedy that the best that I can so that my kid still knows that Jesus is real and that he lives in my life. And I, you know, for them to be able to see and experience him. Yeah, that's really good. So those are, those are some things that I had learned. I'm wondering, um, and I know you've learned so much, but is there one thing that teenagers taught you that's on your mind? Hmm. When I think about all the teenagers that stand out from the years that I, you know, ran youth groups and had these these collections of like ninth through twelfth graders and what 
their personalities were like and the ones that stood out the most. Um, going back to earlier when we were talking about caring, I think their depth of care is so intense. And I think about those kids that they cared so much about people and things in this world that they did something about it. Mm. Like I had a girl in our youth group. She was an eighth grader going to be ninth grader. And I remember we had like a small group time. And one of the girls was sharing that her apartment complex that she lived in, which was um, low income housing, had a little girl living there that was five years old that was battling cancer. And she had a single mom. And uh, they were constantly getting broken in. Their house, was, their apartment was getting broken into. Uh, people were trying to steal this little girl's like pain meds, and um, it got really crazy. So one of these other teenagers brings up to this small group that like, there's this girl in the apartment complex that we live in. Can we pray for her? And I love. I think that that's just so Christian of us, right? Let's just pray, and God will fix it. But this girl I'm talking about, like the other girl that was sitting and listening was like, we need to go bring her groceries. That was her immediate, like, we don't need to call and get her meds figured out. Like we need to bring this mom groceries because that will help them with the other things that they're dealing with right now. So my, my leaders who are adults, you know, the mentors are freaking out. Like we're just going to go into this stranger's apartment and bring groceries. <laughs> yeah. They don't know us at all. And we're not going to say we're from such and such church. Like we're just going to be with this girl who also lives in the complex and be able to help. And I just love that there are teen our teenagers care so much that they want to take it a next step and actually do something about it. And what it does is it makes adults uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like, I, no, I don't want to enter into that. That's awkward. Or what if something bad happens? That's a scary neighborhood. Or like we come up with so many excuses and all of the these little 14-year-old girls were like, yeah, let's do it. And so I went with them because the adult leaders were just so spooked about it. And it ended up being like this amazing moment. We went in there and the little girl, she was on oxygen, um, the girls actually brought her some princess dresses and painted her nails. And actually the end of the story, what happened with the soul girl is really kind of tragic, but actually beautiful in the same way. Again, one of the most memorable stories of being a youth pastor. So bringing them groceries on a regular basis, this mom was so tough and didn't want to accept it. It was really awkward. And then allowed the little girl loved the visits so much that they became more frequent. And then about a year and a half later, the little girl lost her battle to cancer. And so now we're, we have these rhythms of visits and this connection with this mom who is now in major crisis. And she didn't necessarily love our coming and, and visiting, but in that moment where she was really struggling, she reached out to us and said, I don't, know how to do a funeral hmm. can you guys help and each of these 14 year old girls spoke at this little girl's funeral and grandma at this funeral came forward and accepted jesus and you just go what can teenagers do right <laughs> how did this yeah. happen from just a prayer request in a small group where somebody said, in my apartment, there's this little girl who's got cancer. Let's pray that she gets better. Yeah. No, let's take it another step and let's bring her groceries and see what happens. Fearless, so fearless. 
I, I'm just thinking, like, that's it, Bree. That's it, is that we are so stretched thin when we're raising teenagers thinking we have to teach them all of these things. But what if we stepped back for a moment and we learned from them and they have so much to teach us and keeping up with them. And I got some, I had some little tears in my eyes, Bree. What if we just let them loose? Yeah. Instead of trying to, to pen them in so often. I mean, we had yeah. that when they were little, when they were toddlers and when they were in elementary. But what if we let them loose and do some really good things? Yeah. Well, they have the energy and the courage and the, the <laughs> bravery to do it. <laughs> right. Man, that's why I stayed in student ministry so long. How about you? Yeah. It, it wasn't the it long was hours really and the, the tragedies and the stress and the really fun, encouraging parents. <laughs> That was all my sarcasm. It was those moments where I thought, man, I just want to keep experiencing this, like, audacious, like, faith and desire to live, like, to just, it, it was just this reckless desire to, like, live amongst people and in, in, in their faith out, and I wanted to be next to that. I really mm -hmm. wanted to be next to that. That's why I stayed as long as I did. And the beauty of teenagers is that they live on the surface of their feelings mm -hmm. and they react to that. And that's good and bad at the same time. Yeah. But when it's, when it's good, it's really good when they live on that surface of those feelings and they just go like, we're just going to do this. We're going to action time. Yeah. And it makes us a little scared, but <laughs> I, I, I could live on the surface of my feelings instead of constantly, um, interrogating myself or like asking myself too many deeper questions of like, no, let's not do that because A, B, and C could happen. And yeah. I'm always overthinking my feelings and my emotions about something. Like if you're tearing up, you know, something was stoked in you in that moment. And I think teenagers can remind us of our real emotions that actually cause us to do great things in this world. Mm -hmm. Also bad things, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can be really ragey and crazy too if I live on the surface of my feelings all the time. But that's what they, that's what teenagers I think need the most from us is just guidance to, to wisdom, turning life lessons into wisdom mm -hmm. so that they can take that as like their toolbox into adulthood. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you one more really important question, I think. Um, well, I, I know that it's an important question. What would you say to the mom that has a difficult time understanding or parenting her teenager right now? Not the mom that's going, oh, yeah, my kid just wants to take groceries to all the, the sick kids. The complete opposite of that. What would you say to that mom right now? Mm. I would tell her that I see you and Jesus sees you. In those moments you get up and you try and wake your kid up and it's it's angst and, and tense in the home from sun up to sundown. I would say push through and I don't know, push through, that's probably not the right thing, but just have patience with yourself and with your child. And I know it is really hard and that God loves your kid. I hate when people say this, but it is true. God loves your kid more than you do, and it's going to be okay. And you're doing a great job, mom. Yeah. You're doing a great job. If you're struggling right now, the fact that you just care about it shows that you are a phenomenal mom, yeah. that your heart still loves deeply, even though it's breaking. And hang in there. 
that's it for all of our single moms, that we see you and Jesus sees you. And that's why we exist at Arise. And uh, we want you to know their solidarity and that um, whatever you're feeling, we guarantee you there's another mom out there feeling the same thing. So if you are that mom today and you need some community or a pep talk or just someone to vent to, um, reach out to us. Um, That's what our staff is here for. And if you don't have that community that we've talked about a lot and that your student doesn't have that, reach out to to us as well. We will help you find that wherever you are. Um, We want you to have solidarity. We want you to have community and we want you to know that you are seen and that's why we exist. So thank you for listening today, moms. Thank you, Bree. My goodness. Thanks for having me. So much good stuff. I'm like going home and going to just treat my kids different today already because of you. <laughs> I'm going to ask them, are you sad, happy, or angry? You're like, oh, it's so annoying. And the way they react, one of them's going to love the question. The other one's going to just blink at me like Dora. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moms. Thanks for listening to the Single Mom Cast. We will see you soon.